to totality. This is Leah Wald. And I am Tyler Jenks. On January the 22nd, our first ever podcast. This is a spectacular day for many reasons. It's a spectacular year, a spectacular decade, and we think one of the most spectacular centuries in human history. One of the things we want to get across in our podcasts is exactly why are we so optimistic? I'm so excited to have the honor of asking Tyler questions during these podcasts, and I really hope that we create a new toolkit that after each podcast, you are able to more fully understand from a different perspective what's going on in this wild west of crypto land. So a little bit about my background. I started my career at 19 at the World Bank, and it absolutely changed my life and my outlook on macroeconomics and how I wanted to effectuate change in the world. I finished business school at 21 and started working as a financial analyst for the top two hedge funds, and then afterwards started in venture capital. From there, I thought I was armed with at least enough to start consulting internationally for wonderful social enterprises, as well as starting a couple businesses. The one that I'm most proud of was a mentorship platform connecting unemployed veterans to mentors in service of job placement. And from there, I honestly just got very excited when I started learning more and more about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And from now on and forevermore, I hope to continue to learn more and become more involved and through these podcasts and from learning from Tyler and, and everywhere that I can. I hope that I can join this revolution and effectuate more change that I believe that this revolution has in store. Well, that's terrific, uh, Leah. Um, and I'll tell the audience right now that she is being very modest. Over the coming podcasts, you're going to learn a lot more about what uh, an incredible talent this individual really is. I teamed up with Leah uh, for some very specific reasons having to do with um, her ability to ask very difficult questions over and over again until she got the answers. And I thought that that type of analysis, that type of inquiry would be what I would need to tell my story. And let me give you a brief background of who I am and why I am here starting these podcasts with Leah. Um, I have been in the financial and analytic uh, field for over 40 years. I started as a broker. I set up my own company. I set up a second company to study mutual funds. I uh, used that as a background to manage institutional money for a firm in New York City who handled some of the largest union pension funds in the United States. What was unusual about them 
is they used mutual funds in those portfolios. And for 10 years, um, I was the chief investment officer and started as the senior portfolio manager for that firm, handling many accounts over $100 million each. The largest account that uh, I managed was about $475 million using these techniques. I then went on to a number of other ventures, um, including running a trust department as the chief investment officer with over $3 billion under management. Now, the reason I'm giving you some of my background is I have experience in actually taking other people's money and trying to make decisions what is the most prudent way of proceeding on a risk-reward basis with that money. So it's a very practical side. I, however, um, got into this business not for that side of it, but rather for the analytical side. I am a, uh, a very long student of... Uh, technical analysis, as well as fundamental analysis. And one of the things we're going to do on this podcast, on these podcasts coming up, is we are going to look at the history of technical analysis all the way back to the late 1800s with such people as Charles Dow and uh, Williams and Rhea and Schaefer with the Dow Theory, W.D. Gann, R.N. Eliot, Edwards and McGee, P.C. Wall, Robert Prechter, Wells Wilder Jr., and on and on right up through the present with those that are creating some of the most important ways of analyzing technical movements of not only stocks, bonds, commodities, but also, and very importantly, um, cryptocurrencies and particularly Bitcoin. Uh, I've become very interested in the analytical tools available for this brand new asset class. The other or third part of my background has to do with studying asset classes in terms of how they fit together at various times to represent opportunities or risk in not only the economy, but within the investment uh, field from individuals all the way through institutions and large pension funds. One of the most interesting asset classes I've ever come across after 40 years is the one we will be spending a lot of time in these podcasts talking about, which is cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Now, throughout this process, over this very long period of time, I have actually designed a number of technical tools myself that I have used selfishly for the work that I was doing, as opposed to making them public and letting other people uh, know about them and use them. On the other side of that, uh, I've been very parasitic in terms of I've used everybody else's work. 
and I've studied almost everybody else's tools and have figured out if I could use them and when and how to do it. Now, the reason I go into all that detail is because this is the, a great opportunity for you as someone interested in this new asset class to get very objective opinions about not only technical tools you hear about, but the people that are using them and making recommendations or giving you information about how you can educate yourself. I've gone through that process over the last five years, listening to some of these wonderful analysts. And part of our podcast is going to continually be to introduce you to those people to their systems, and I will give you my opinions about when and how to use some of that expertise and answer questions that you may have on when and how and if you should be doing the same thing. So that's an awful lot of information for you in a very short period of time, but I want to throw out one other thing. I'm going to introduce you to a tool that I believe will turn out to be one of the most significant tools uh, available for analyzing Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And it's a tool that I call the hyperwave. And what a hyperwave is, is it is a bubble. All hyperwaves are bubbles, but not all bubbles are hyperwaves. And the reason I make that distinction is when I find a hyperwave, and they're difficult to find because they're so rare, but when I find one, I've got a set of techniques to identify each of seven phases that that hyperwave is going to go through. As I said, Bitcoin is in a hyperwave. And starting with podcast number five, I'm going to introduce you to about 20 different hyperwaves that I've studied over the years, including Bitcoin. But I want you to first understand what differentiates hyperwave from just parabolic moves or bubbles. And we'll go through that carefully a little bit at a time. I'll answer questions about it, but by the time we end up uh, actually getting into the guts of how to use the hyperwave, you're going to understand it and you're going to be able to use it. So thank you very much for joining us on this first podcast. You can look forward to these coming on a regular basis with Leah and I teaming up to provide you with up-to-date information about what's going on on this in this fabulous space called cryptocurrency. Thank you, Tyler. All right, so the agenda that we have set for today is what is going on in today's markets, um, specifically in the Bitcoin market, a more thorough uh, introduction to Hyperwave from a high-level perspective, um, and specifically, why today is incredibly crucial and important. And that's going to be the crux of um, this podcast today. So let's get into it. Tyler, 
sell off. <laughs> what are we seeing in the markets today? And why is Bitcoin uh, dropping in value given that it's appreciated in value more than any other security and asset in history? Terrific question and very, very timely as anybody watching this knows. What I'm going to do is I'm going to switch uh, to a screen share in order to bring up a very simple chart of one of the cryptocurrencies, the one that I think is the king of all of the cryptos. I believe that it will continue to be um, a uh, the king of all cryptos, regardless of what happens with the introduction of new cryptocurrencies or even the other ones that exist. What you're looking at is a uh, chart of today's price action. We are sitting at about 10,664 uh, after a sell-off down to 10,330 earlier today. Uh, I'm going to look at this from a longer time frame by going all the way back to the top over on the upper left-hand corner at 19,666. That was December the 16th, and that's the highest that Bitcoin has ever achieved on this particular exchange, which is Bitstamp. It uh, got a little bit higher on other exchanges, over 20,000. But what we're looking at today is a downtrend that began back on December the 16th and hit a low five days later. That low is right at this point. And um, ever since we've been going sideways, trying to go up and failing and going sideways and failing and then trying to go up again and then failing again. As of today, as of this moment, we are still in a downtrend. We haven't broken the back of this particular uh, wave. Now, as all of you who are watching know, we're only looking at the bad news. So let's look a little bit longer term, looking at a weekly chart. And on the right side of the chart, you see what we were just looking at, all of those red bars starting up at the top at 1966. Going back to the beginning of this chart, we're looking at the last six months or so. And what we see is a run up in price from $1,341 back at the end of May, up 10, 15 times in a very short period of time. So I am not at this current time worried that regardless of this drops down to 9,000 or 8,000 or 7,000, which I believe it has a very good chance of doing, that this in any way changes either the uh, extreme bullishness I have for the future of cryptos in general or this particular one specifically. Um, if we go back even further uh, on this chart by pulling it over, you'll see that we moved from 800 all the way up 
to 6,300 from March until June of this year. If I pull it over a little further, you'll see that from the beginning of 2017, we were below $1,000. So we've run from $700 on the left-hand side of this chart to 4,480 by August, and then all the way up to 8,000 by the end of November, and finally up to 19,666. Now I could pull up another 100 charts of other cryptos. None of the other cryptos, other than for very brief periods of time, have shown this continued dominance in terms of moving forward. Usually when we see the price of Bitcoin moving up in these sharp moves, we see weakness in many of the other cryptocurrencies. This began to change. And one of the reasons I think Leah asked that question about why is this so important where we are right here today giving this podcast. And my answer to that is, is I have not seen a period of time over the last 10 years in which Bitcoin moved down as sharply as it has since December the 16th. And most other currencies, cryptocurrencies did the same thing. So something is going on intellectually, emotionally in the ecosystem of cryptocurrencies beginning in the middle of December. And we're going to have to wait and see exactly what that is by the action of not only Bitcoin, but the other cryptocurrencies from this point forward, at least for the next month or two. But anybody that has any specific ideas that they would like to share with us about why the inverse relationship to most cryptocurrencies changed against Bitcoin beginning in December and uh, through the last month. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Leah. (laughs) Well, as Tyler knows, I'm here in Washington, D.C., and we have shut down our government. But it's my belief that it's not just one piece of news that is important to understand major shifts that are taking place in the market, which is absolutely what's happening. So given that it's, I think, not one thing, um, Tyler, what do you think? And also, how does this work into what you mentioned, your hyperwave theory, um, as well as specifically that the hyperwave theory doesn't just take into account just technical analysis, just fundamentals, but also such a holistic view? Well, one of the very interesting things, I think, about... um about technical analysis uh, is uh, those that don't believe in it or haven't taken the time to study it think it's uh, approaches witchcraft or magic, uh, at least uh, from the opponents of it. The proponents, those that have taken the time to really understand and study it, 
understand that all fundamental information, everything that is known fundamentally from all sources shows up in the price of whatever it is that is being studied. Now, it's very difficult to separate out fundamental factors, fundamental demand or supply factors from any given chart at any point in time. And many asset classes, the biggest ones, the ones that are the most traded, such as stocks, bonds, currencies, commodities, taken as a whole, there is a tremendous amount of fundamental information available. But let's just think for a second about how little fundamental information is actually available about cryptocurrencies and or Bitcoin. About the only thing we can really do other than speculate about individuals or groups or uh, proponents of a particular ICO or cryptocurrency or opponents of any of those, uh, it's their opinion uh, given a very limited number of facts. That's why I believe that the uh, most effective way of trading this particular asset class right now and it will begin to change over time, but not yet, is some uh, grouping of technical tools. And you're right, I think one of the most powerful tools is the one we're going to be talking about called Hyperwave. Because uh, you are looking on these charts that I just showed you of a typical Hyperwave that moves from almost... Uh, uh, nothing in terms of interest in the public to an increasingly aggressive movement to the upside, it seems to be unexplainable. And people begin labeling it because they can't explain it, such as, oh, this isn't a bubble, this is a fraud, this is a Ponzi scheme. In each case I have studied going back 150 years, that has never been the case. There's always very strong fundam fundamental reasons why a hyperwave develops and begins to accelerate. And we're going to go into those uh, very carefully as we go, go on with these podcasts. However, your question is, there are some fundamental things going on with a new president, only been there for a year, very controversial with a new board uh, developing at the Federal Reserve in the United States, with uh, new trade policies, with new diplomatic policies. Certainly a shutdown of the US economy must be affecting many, many asset classes. Um, that would be the intuitive knee-jerk reaction to what I just said. I don't believe that's the case, however. I do believe that all of those things, we can look back at a stock market that has moved in a most aggressive fashion to the upside ever since a lot of those changes uh, were initiated under this current administration. 
So we can't simply say that if one more thing happens, that we're going to see any kind of a reaction. We've got to always think in terms of all of the inputs, all of the supply, all of the demand requirements when we're talking about any of these things. I happen to believe that what's going on right now with um, the shutdown is very temporary and uh, is not going to turn out to have, uh, affect in any way any of the major asset classes, this particular one. It's really interesting. Um, so, <laughs> learning this one. Um, with all these very sophisticated investors that entered the market in December, um, what is curious to me is why there's still, it seems, a very anti-Bitcoin um, kind of civil war playing out also with the government. Um, my understanding is that ETFs are still under scrutiny and haven't been passed by the SEC despite um, Bitcoin being listed on the CME and CBOE, and we have GBTC. Um, so, <laughs> can you just shed light on this one? Well, th th that's a uh, that's really a very important question, which uh, I don't believe anybody has the answer to at this point. And that question stated uh, briefly is. Um, is it possibly true that most participants in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies up until recently have been one group uh, that uh, we could designate as being different from what is usually called large institutional money? And is that important or isn't it important? Um, the first part of my restatement is there is a very big difference, in my opinion, of the players in the cryptocurrency market, and again, with Bitcoin sitting on the throne. And what began to happen three years ago with the introduction of a new security that could take advantage of, and that new security was called DC, that's the ticker, which is, um, stands for the Bitcoin Investment Trust. That was the first exposure that the public in general would have with a security that would represent to some extent what happens with Bitcoin prices. Uh, there has not been any others over the last three years, uh, but not for trying. We've had over and over again attempts to get the Securities and Exchange Commission to uh, be able to uh, approve some other securities in the form of either ETFs or mutual funds and that's beginning to happen. And you're exactly right, Leah, in pointing out that a stepping stone to that is the introduction of futures and options trading, which are going on right now, but have only been around for about a month. Um, I do not know what the answer is in terms of what is the effect going to be 
on the future prices of cryptocurrencies or on Bitcoin specifically. We will all learn that together as these podcasts go on. Thanks, Tyler. Is there anything else that you want to cover today? We've hit our agenda points. No, I think uh, we've covered an awful lot today. Um, as I mentioned, in future podcasts, we will begin introducing you to other individuals in this space that we uh, ourselves listen to. We will look at some of the systems that they use and uh, critique them from the applicability of uh, using them uh, in the crypto space. And we will also begin introducing Hyperwave, starting with the fifth podcast. From time to time, we're also going to be looking at um, what others in other fields are thinking or saying that might uh, bear some consideration on our part about what the future of uh, uh, this unusual and very exciting asset class really is. Awesome. We're also going to always make sure that we're covering exactly what's going on each day in the market um, because that's what we're excited about. And I may throw Tyler a couple curveballs given my background with especially macroeconomics and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially keeping on him on his toes. So everybody, thank you so much for listening to our first podcast and um, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them in the comment section below. And uh, looking forward to next time. Terrific. Thank you very much. Bye.